amen, amen. And that good news that God knows our name. And not only does he know our name, but he holds us up. Good God Almighty, sometimes our names aren't as good as they should be, but he will never let us go. That's the God that we serve, that he holds me, holds me. Man, that's a word today. Thank you, worship team, for that. That leads us into this beautiful series we've been in in the book of James. We have been 10 weeks in the book of James. And for the first two weeks, I tried to help us to understand that, that James is saying we're moving from trouble to triumph. Bob continued and told us that our God is the father of light and that we, he is the incredible hawk. I spent two weeks uh, letting us know that we're called to the ministry of impartiality. And then Bob looked at chapter three and told us to learn our lines, that theology of listening and speaking. And week nine, I came last week and wanted us to understand that there's power in aligning with God's will. And this week, we're gonna take a look at the power of prayer. Let me pray for us and begin this morning. Our Father and our God, we thank you, we honor you, we celebrate you for the God that you are. God, you are the potter, we are the clay. Mold us, shape us, make us, break us to what you need us to be. Holy Spirit, minister through our minds, speak with our tongue, love with our hearts. In your name we pray, all God's children say amen. Verse 13 through 18 says these words, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. If anyone is happy, let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church and pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up if they've sinned. If they will, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Our focus text is verse 16, um, which says these words, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayers of a righteous person is powerful and effective. For the time that's mine, I just wanna preach this morning for a little while the power that's in prayer. One of the bad habits I have, Lil, as a parent, is when my children is telling me something, the first time I often say and tell them I already know. My, my, my wife would always correct me saying, stop saying you know, just listen. What I notice that when my children tell my wife their story, their mouth, her mouth drops and she is absolutely engaged and sometimes she's acting surprised. As she's acting surprised, I absolutely engage in the kids. I love watching the kids' face because they brighten up because they feel like they're enlightening their mother. I used to think my wife was acting disingenuous when her response to the kids was like that, um, but I realized it wasn't being disingenuous. Though she may have an experience 
or know the story. She never experienced the story through the kid's eyes, and for her, that was fresh revelation and entirely new. You know, I realized the same way with God in our prayers. He is an all-knowing and, and God, and nothing catches him by surprise. But what he is eager and willing and excited to hear our prayers because he wants to hear our perspective and the way we see the situation. God wants to hear our prayers because he wants to, us to tell him the story through our eyes. Prayer is talking to God and telling him our story through our eyes. There are two types of prayers. There's general, personal, individualistic prayers, and there's a group collective prayer. If our personal prayer is good, then our collective prayer has to be better. Grace City, we need to understand that we live in a broken world which started at the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve disobeyed God's will in the Garden of Eden, and when they ate from the tree, you, Jesus then aligns us in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he said, not thy will, but that your will be done on an old rugged. Then he went to an old rugged cross, saved our souls, and redeemed the world. This brokenness from the garden brought suffering, sickness, and sin. And while we are called to bring the kingdom of God here on earth, on this side, we have to deal with the brokenness of this world. We know Jesus is the remedy because of the work he has done on the cross. And we know that that work have allowed and is going to take us to a place who those who believe where there's no more pain, there's no more death, there's no more suffering, there's no more sickness. But, there, but the question for us is what do we do in between the already and the not yet? What do we do while we're in a world of suffering, sickness, and sin? We must do what Jesus did, which is enter the suffering, enter the sickness, and enter the sin. We must be Jesus with skin on. Listen, Christ is the remedy. Faith is the antidote. But prayer is our prescription. Prayer is the practice of those who have faith. When trials and tribulations, sin and disease comes to the believer, we are called to pray. Why? Because there is power in prayer. Solomon put it this way. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. Why? Because there's power in prayer. I know there's power in prayer because the psalmist says, I call you and my God, you will answer me. Turn your ear to me and hear my prayer. Why? Because there is power in prayer. Paul tells the church at Ephesus, he said, pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glory inheritance is holy for his people because there is power in prayer. Jeremiah put it this way, then you will call me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Why? Because there is power in prayer. Job Put it this way. He said, you will pray to him and he will hear you and he will fulfill his vows. Why? Because there is power 
in prayer. Well, Jesus put it this way. My prayers is not that you should take them out this world, but to protect them from all the evil one. Why? Because there is power in prayer. James, James, James is concluding this letter by letting his audience know that there is power in prayer. Chapter 5 starts with a warning to the rich who soon weep and howl of misery that are coming because the Lord has heard the cries of the laborers who have been defrauded. And he tells them that their time is coming short. And then James continues in verses 5 and 7 and 10. He counsels those who have been through trouble to be patient, hold on, endure. He also warns the readers not to grumble against the one another so that you won't be judged. He holds up the prophets as an example of suffering and patience. And now we find ourselves in 13 through 18. Jane emphasizes the prayer and confession and the value of redeeming those who have wandered from the truth. Jane's prescription is prayer. It's not just a certain individual, but prayer is something that should go across the life of the church. James bookend by reminding what the, believer, what the believers should be doing in between the already and the not yet. James' audience is writing to the believers and that have been scattered and are suffering. And he opens the book. Remember, he said, consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, that whenever you face trials many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. That's how he opens the book. But it's important to understand that James, throughout the entire book, had been discussing patience and endurance for the believer who has been enduring trouble. Understanding this backdrop is important to grasp what James is saying in chapter 5. James then concludes with this question. He begins the end of the pericope at verse 13 by asking this question. Is anyone among you in trouble? The question would be answered unequivocally with everybody hands and feet up, yes. And he says, if that answer is yes, then he says, pray. <laughs> this passage has been used to proof text for many functions in the body of Christ. For the Catholics, the passage has been proven the text for extreme unction, which is to pray for the sick. For the faith healer, this text has been used to prove guaranteed healing when you pray. For others, see this text as the justification for anointing people with oil, which leads what's a lot of interpretive questions. What kind of suffering is James talking about? What type of sickness James is talking about? Why is prayer of the elders different than other believers? What is the anointing oil? The text of the book of James to those who are suffering is about those who are suffering at the hands of the wicked and those who are afflicted and those who are about to give up in their prayer. That's important to stay in the context of the text as we approach chapter 5. For James, prayer is the prerequisite to endure suffering and affliction. The text in this passage is not necessarily in all about physical healing, 
but is concerned with the healing, the spiritual weakness, the weariness, the common exertion, and spiritual depression. And he says that is where we need to pray. It's clear that there is power in prayer. James examines uh, prayer in three areas, individual, corporate, and communal, and how each area is important to sustain in the world of believers where they're called to navigate sin, suffering, and sickness. The first thing James is addressing is the individual prayer life. He says, I believe the text is helping us to understand that there is comfort that can be found in our individual prayer. Look at verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Watch this. If anyone among you happy, then let them sing songs of prayer. Is there, the word that is used for trouble is the same, can be replaced with the word suffering. But this suffering in the Greek, be careful, is not physical illness. This word suffering that's being used here is being persecuted and abused by others. The word here is any ill circumstances that, 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 that someone wicked brings on another. James says to one of those who are in trouble, pray. Then he says anyone who's happy or cheerful, let them sing. Now the word here means have a good heart. Anyone in trouble, pray. But if your heart, if you have a good heart, then go ahead and sing. Let me put it together. James is not talking about praying and singing, removing trouble. James is saying your individual prayers and your singing can keep you on top of the trouble. He's not talking about removal. He's talking about buoyancy. He's talking about floating, staying on top of trouble. I know that I'm right because in a pandemic, we're one year down the road. 500,000 people have died. Joblessness everywhere. And here we are today still living in a season of uncertainty. But the trouble is not gone. But I know some of y'all can say, I got some buoyancy. I'm still afloat. I'm still standing up. Because I know it's the prayer and the singing of the Lord. Now, I, I appreciate the CDC, but the CDC can't help me when I'm home alone and don't know what to do. I'm going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I got to pray. I got to sing. James says praying and singing comforts the individual enough to stay afloat. James says to you and to me, there's power in prayer. This is important, church, because the danger in this that inside of our trouble, we can get bitter towards God and abandon our spiritual practice. Or we can move into a place of complacency and think we can handle this. But prayer is a reminder of our sufficiency on God. We need God 
John Stott says, prayer is acknowledge his sovereign power to meet our needs, and praise is to acknowledge his sovereign power appointing to our circumstance. In other words, God is sufficient. James says, prayer is being a sense of comfort when you're enduring mistreatment in this world, sin, suffering, and sickness. Prayer helps you to find comfort. You know, uh, the other day, my son Stephen gave me a call, my 27-year-old, and I, it was funny because he, 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 I could hear something in his voice. And I said, what's up, son? I said, what's going on? He said, Dad, I just wanted to call. He said, I got a lot going on. I'm stressed out and all this. But I, I, I remember, you know, and I could hear the tears. And he said, I just want to thank you. And he said, I said, I said what, what's going on? He said, he said, Dad, I remember how you would listen to that music and while we were driving in the car. And I knew something was going on. And you would just listen. You'd be concentrating. He said, he said, Dad, I left from work. And I was on my way to work on my, my trucking license. And he said, you know, I put this music on. And I started praying. And he said, I felt like I could go on. He said, I thank you because you modeled that for me. That I then got comfort at that time. And I was able to move on and finish my day. And that, thank you. And I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but I want you to know there's comfort in prayer and song. I don't know where you are this morning, but maybe you need to sing this morning. And let, let, let's just, I, I will stop my message just to sing with you this morning if you feel this discomfort this morning. Uh, let's put some words on the screen and let's sing that together. Let's, let's, let's sing what a friend we have in Jesus. Come on, come on, you come on, sing. Sing this with us. Come on. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to Take it to the Lord in prayer. 
the psalm writer and James both say, take it to the Lord because individual lives, there's comfort in prayer. But the second thing I see, there is restoration in our corporate prayer life. Look at verse 16, 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them. Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. James shift from an individual trouble and comfort through individual prayer and singing to a corporate prayer. Not corporate meaning organization, but organism of the church. He says, if anyone's sick, let them call on the elders of the church. James associate the healing ministry and prayer anointing with the local church leaders. The church signifies not those who just govern, but those who give watch and care and who those who are mature. The word that James is using here to relate to whom spirit, those who are spiritually weak, your job is to strengthen those who are weak. The spiritual leaders are to pray for those spiritually weak so that they may be restored, bring strength and healing and restoration. Then we find this in the book of Acts chapter 20, the ministry to the sick, to those who are weak in the job of the elders. The oil and the anointing is important because I think oil during that time uh, was the medicine that was used to heal those who were sick. But that's the physical. But prayer is the spiritual. And I think sometimes we've made the mistake, even as church leaders, is that we have outsourced this job to just the physical. We've sent people to counseling. We've sent people to medical doctors. But the job of the leader and the job of the church, it's not, he says, bring oil, the oil in prayer, physical and spiritual. They both need to be a part of the body of Christ of healing. It is the call of the church to pray, to bring oil, to bring healing to those who are weak, to those who are broken. Those who can come. And, and the picture he, he says here, and, and this is the picture. The picture here is that those who are on the bedside, who are lying dormant, can't move, that on the side of the bed are people, the elders, praying. That's the picture he has to restore the strength with those who are weak. You know, I've had the privilege in my 20-year career of being called to the hospital <laughs> to pray. And one of the things I will never forget, uh, Mary Lou, is I was called to pray for a woman who was getting ready to get a double mastectomy. And he said, Pastor, I need you to come up and be with us and pray with us. But I looked around the room, because I'm the elder and the pastor, but I want you all to understand that eldering doesn't have nothing to do with just governance. and well, Eldering has to do with maturity in an area. So I walked in this room, y'all, and there were five women around the bed. All five of them 
had had double mastectomy. It was nothing I needed to say or pray. I just needed to stand back. And Lord have mercy, when those women started to pray, you could see the strength and the power come back in the room because they were mature in the area and they knew what, how to approach God and pray for this woman in this time of weakness. You know, uh, we're called, you know, I, there are times in our lives where we have to call 911. <laughs> and we have what they call a 911 dispatch system. And, you know, the thing I love about the 911 system, Lil, it doesn't matter how hysterical you are. You can't get your words out. It doesn't matter. They know where you are. They know how to get you. They know how to get the. Not only that, the paramedics is listening, the police is listening, and the fire department is listening. And all they need to do is which one to dispatch. Church, I want us to understand our job description is that we pray as leaders and elders to dispatch not the fire department, but the angels of the Lord to meet people at their weakness so that they can be strengthened and empowered and get what they need. God trust the church for that, to restore those who are weak. James says that there is comfort in our individual prayer life. But second thing I see, there is restoration in our corporate life. But the last thing I see, there is power in our communal prayer life. Verse 16 says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Watch this. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. James moves from restoration through leadership of the church community, confession and prayer, and he moves to this thing, uh, to confession and praying. We, James, in his letter, is deeply concerned about the fellowship of the body. Throughout his letter, he is very concerned about fellowship. James begins with confessing one to another. Now, the theology of confession must be made against a person who needs or desire or who needs to receive forgiveness. There's what they call private confession and public confession. And when we send to people privately, we go privately. If we send to people publicly, we should confess publicly. Now, I'm pastoring something I didn't learn, Mary Lou, um, in seminary, is that I wasn't prepared to be trained to pastor in a social media age. And so I've had to get in between some social media beefs. And so, you know, I, 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 I would get in between some beefs, uh, Naila, and, and the person will type something about another person and put it out to a thousand people, and then I would get on the phone and call, and then they would, watch this, take it down, and then call the person privately and apologize. Y'all missed it. I said they would blast something about the person publicly and then get counsel 
take it down and call them privately and apologize. Let me come get you. The theology of confession says the confession goes to the place where the sin was. What am I saying? If you sin on social media, then confess on social media. Because what Paul, what, what James is after is the unity and the fellowship of the body. See, the Catholic Church had it wrong at one place because they, you would go to the confession box, remember Mary Lou? <laughs> tell it to the priest. He would take it to God. But that happened in church. You haven't told me anything. You haven't confessed to me. So you have a confession, but the body is broken. And what James is after is total healing of the fellowship. In order for us to have fellowship and healing, it takes confession and prayer. Grace City, this last thought, and he closes, because James is actually going after what the ministry of our church is, reconciliation. James wants total healing and reconciliation, and he calls us to that. Prayer has the ability to comfort because there is power in prayer. Prayer has the ability to restore because there is power in prayer. Prayer has the ability to reconcile because there is power in prayer. Let me pray for somebody this morning because I believe that there is power in prayer. Our Father, as we close this series, thank you. I pray now for the individual who needs to be comforted. I want them to know that they can come to you boldly to your throne. To those who are on a sick bed, who are too weak, I pray to give healing and strength to you. And tell those who feel broken in the body, I pray for reconciliation and healing in our fellowship. So God, we give you praise. Thank you for this series. In your name we pray. Amen.